what's up hybrids welcome back to another episode of the phantom hybrid podcast this is hanako and i'm here with anthony laurie and mike and we are discussing episode six of shadow and bone and this episode i think was one of my favorites because me being the emotional romanticized that type of person there was just like everything in this episode you get a ship here a ship Ugh. there ships all over the place you get a ship and you get a ship and you uh, get a ship and everybody gets a ship oh <laughs> uh, mush whatever i'm a mushy girl i admit it whatever but before we get to all the mushy stuff we got to get through all the serious stuff so the episode starts out with arkin in a chair and he's being held by Ivan and he's being questioned by Kerrigan because again in the last episode the crows and Arkin they infiltrated the castle and they well I would say the crows were fairly successful with their mission even though they don't know it at this point or at least Jesper knows but they Hold don't on. realize you, you that can't, they have you a can't call you cannot call that successful Hey, however it happens, they may have gone from A to M to get to Z, but they, they got, got to Z. Z. They have the Sun Summoner. So that is a successful mission. They took a few detours and she ended up going to them unknowingly, but they have her. It's a success. A lot more successful than Arkin and his mission. <laughs> I will oh, say that. that that was a resounding failure that was a resounding failure and he's having to answer for that and this dude okay so here's my thing about Arkin so he's being questioned like I said Ivan is standing there next to him in his bright ass red kefta obviously a heart render and you've got the shadow summoner Kirigan in front of you and you've got Zoya there as well. well they're, they're still in their dress robes. So. They're still in their dress robes. But again, this is the conductor. This is the man who has been smuggling Grisha out of the little palace. He probably knows everything that he needs to know about Grisha. How in the hell are you going to try to lie standing next to a damn heart render? Like, Try. <laughs> Right. He's smarter than that. It shows that he has no experience in being interrogated because it's like he couldn't lie or trick his way out of it. He didn't even try to explain it. Been like, when you say he's lying, be like, well, look, I know who you are. Of course, my heart's beating fast. What do you mean? Of course, I'm nervous. I mean, you won't be able to tell anything because you're who you are. And I know that you're probably going to kill me. So why would I lie? He didn't try any of that. He didn't do it anything and really i mean to be totally honest i was tired of seeing his ass anyway when, when he killed what's her name and i was just like you know he, he might as well marie. just go that he killed marie i was like he can just go yeah I, I, was, I was i was pretty much done with him anyway this is probably one of the more satisfying i guess villain deaths that i've seen on tv in a while i was thoroughly satisfied with it yeah we've said this before Cass has a very good way of reading people he reads the room and he knows what's going on. And he was right to set Arkin up. I don't think he took any pleasure in it. But when he saw Arkin meeting with the general in the square, he knew something wasn't right. He knew it. 
Yeah, it didn't take much for him to make that logical conclusion. You know what? <laughs> yeah. There's so many other things going on. He could have thought, oh, okay, well, you know what? Maybe he's delivering a message for Kerrigan or something like that. I don't know. No, he's but... me- he's meeting with somebody from a from a known rebel who's on the other side of things. There, there are not too many other conclusions to be drawn from that. Yeah. For being honest. Yeah. But the other thing is Kerrigan's revealed to Arkin that, oh yeah, I know who you are and I know what you've been doing. You've been smuggling Grisha out of my palace. And he's like, no, I haven't. I haven't been doing that. I've only been, um, what did he say? He's only been smuggling refugees. Like I have nothing to do with Grisha. And then Kerrigan drops the bomb on him like, oh yeah, your buddy Nina? Yeah, spy. She's been telling me what you're doing. And did you see the look on Arkin's face? Like he probably expected Kaz and them to betray him. He wasn't expecting that of Nina. You could see that clearly on his face when Kerrigan brings up Nina. She's like, he's like, yeah, Nina's in it. Yeah. Oh, that's my homegirl. Yeah, yeah. She's one of mine. Like she's been telling me all your dirt. So yeah, I know what you've been doing. The look on his face, it was so satisfying. And Ivan is just looking down at him smirking like, do we really have to listen to him much longer? It, it it was that whole scene was just it was so satisfying it was well, it, it also shows his reach too because you, you at this point it seems as if almost every single grisha in some way or another is directly working for him and it's like there's no getting around the fact that he has spent all these years plotting and placing people and everything so yeah, yeah it he, was, he has hundreds of years Right, of yeah. Head start on everybody. Exactly, and not only that, but he's the one that's actually fighting for the Gracia. He's the one that's trying to make it so that they have, I guess you could say, like a fair fighting chance or a fair chance with the regular humans. He's the one that's taking care of them. He built them a freaking palace so that they could train and learn to use their powers and not be persecuted and not be hunted down by people who would do them harm. So yeah, he would have their loyalty. Well, I I will say this though. The the thing that bothered me is that he is obviously the conductor, but he, he strikes me as somebody who was maybe okay, a little bit shady, stumbled across something, decided to make some money out of it, got tangled up with some wrong people and just doesn't have the skill set to deal with where he is now. Therefore, he's screwed because if he would just, you know, kind of stayed a little bit more in his lane, I think he would have been okay. But because people like him decide that they're going to become a revolutionary, they're going to fight against the system instead of keeping their head down and keeping their little schemes going, I I think he would have been okay. But he basically did it to himself. I mean, yeah, but if you think about it, you know, him doing what Kaz and crew wanted, he would have had to have split a million Kruger four ways. Him doing what General Zlatan wanted, yeah. he gets a million Kruger all to himself. So yeah. if you think about it in those terms, I can understand why he did what he did. Now, was he smart about it? No, he was absolutely not smart about it. And then here's the thing too. So you're sitting here and you're telling General Kerrigan that 
you had nothing to do with what happened that you walked into the room and what happened to Maria had already happened. Oh, it was gruesome or whatever. You didn't stop to think about the redhead that you left alive in there and that she might've already gone to Kerrigan and said, Hey, this is what happened. Hey, Maria's dead. And this is why somebody tried to kill Alina. Like he- He's really bad at this. He's incredibly bad at this. But at the same time, I almost feel Because the way that they presented him in previous episodes, like his plan for getting them into the palace by making the rope dancer have an accidental fall so that Inej could take her place. And you have to be smart in order to smuggle the amount of people he has smuggled through the fold. You have to have some kind of smart. So it's kind of weird that all of a sudden you would be making these kind of dumb decisions. Yeah. Well, he's a risk taker. I mean, look at what he was doing. So he was, he's a gambler and a risk taker. So yeah, he's smart, but he was taking chances. And he was going to take a chance. You also have to understand that the level that he was on just transporting people back and forth is one level. But him actually participating in certain things, like getting his hands dirty, is another thing. Like, I don't think he really got his hands dirty. And he didn't know how to handle everything that comes with getting your hands dirty like the potential of you getting caught and you not That's not true. snitching everybody out and you trying you actually having a plan to get out of this this is why kaz is such a master at this kaz has plans on top of plans on top of plans like he already mapped out if something went on i mean from the last episode he had he had like seven plans he had seven or eight plans in case something went wrong because he thought ahead it's like Arkin didn't think ahead. He just thought he was going to be able to get in there, kill her, and get out. Like he didn't. He didn't say, "Well, what if I get caught?" He was like, "I'm not going to get caught. It's a good plan. We're going to be fine." Blah blah blah. But he just didn't have that level of intellect and know-how to figure out how to get out of that situation. And it shows in this in this whole scene. I mean, from him like blabbing about how much Zlatan was going to pay him a million dollars to kill her. Then he says, you don't have to give me half and I'll finish it. Look, you're a shitty assassin. You've already proven that you're a shitty assassin. Why would why would Kerrigan have anything to do with you even for half or a quarter or a literal quarter, 25 cents to do anything for him? Why would he why would he even trust you to do that? Because you couldn't even do this. You were right there and you and you fucked it up. Why would he trust you to do anything? That's true. Let me tell you, I have it playing in the background and it's on this, that specific scene you just mentioned where he was telling Kerrigan, yeah, the plan was to kidnap her and the million Kruger would be split four ways. General Zlatan offered me a million to myself to kill her. If y'all could see, like, I haven't watched this episode in a few weeks since the first time I watched it. So this is only like my second viewing of the episode. And Kerrigan looks absolutely murderous when Arkin admits that he was sent to kill Alina. He looked like if looks could kill, which they probably can in the Grisha verse, but for right now, if looks could kill, he'd be dead because Kerrigan is looking at him like, dude. And then he turns around and he looks at Zoya and he looks at Ivan. He doesn't even have to say a word. They're like, yeah deuces it's time to go because of course kerrigan is about to you know brandish his own type of punishment in the form of the shadows and poor ark well i i I won't even say poor arkin no no. he kind of got what was coming to him he got what was coming to him but let me say this too before we leave from this scene 
there's a moment where um where Kerrigan and Ivan and Zoya are standing together. The fucking costumes in this show. Those Keftas looked so good. That black one, especially on Kerrigan, absolutely gorgeous. Like we need to find somebody to make us some Keftas. I want a Kefta. I'm, I'm really, I'm really digging the red ones now. Yeah, the red ones look Ivan's, good. I'm really digging Ivan's. The the red ones look good, but that black, I mean, oh, it. Like I, I I felt myself fawning over the black outfit, just like we were with the um with the 1700s pieces that they had in a discovery of witches. I was like, oh my god, there's like so much attention to detail, and it's just uh gorgeous, gorgeous. But anyway, rest in peace, Arkin. You won't be missed. <laughs> so we move forward and we see Alina in her getaway cart, and she's practicing her sun summoning, and she's trying to get out of the cart because she feels the uh carrot slowing down, and she's trying to get out, and she realizes that she can't get out. So she looks in the carriage and she finds a bag with a, I guess it's one of those eyepieces, like the glass eyepieces. And she uses her powers to melt the lock so that she can get out. So she gets out of the trunk. She opens it up and here's Jesper standing. And of course she looks immediately at his gun. When she gets out, there's Jesper, Kaz, and Inej. And they're trying to negotiate with her. They're like, we don't want any trouble. She's like, Neither do I. I'll be on my way. And Kaz stops her. And they're like, look, you clearly want out of East Rafka. We can help you. And she's, you know, they're going back and forth. And she's telling them, she's like, look, I'm not going to be anybody's captive ever again. They're like, look, we're not trying to make you a captive. We're trying to help you. And then she goes to use her powers. And of course, all three of them are startled because here they are. They're seeing her powers in person. You know, Kaz and Jesper fall to the ground and Inej has a very different reaction to her. You know, she puts her hands up and then she just looks at Alina like, yeah, you know what? You can go. You are Santa Alina. You are the person that was prophesied. You know what? Yeah, you can go. I'm not going to stop you. Bye. I think she peed herself a little bit because it startled her so much. I think she's like, whoa, okay, you know what? Go, bye, you know. I don't know if Inej would have done that because Inej always believed. Right. Jesper and Kaz, on the other hand. Yeah. Maybe. Kaz, definitely. Because Jesper's kind of a follow. Like, he follows Kaz more than anything else. He doesn't really. It's not necessarily him not believing in the Sun Summoner. It's just him believing what Kaz says. So it's more so Kaz just saying, I don't believe in it. Just like, all right, cool. He's kind of like the deep in um, the voice where he's like, where he says, yeah, that could be. And then, like, someone says, he says, I don't believe it. He's like, yeah, I don't believe it. Yeah, no. He just kind of follows. I know. So, anyway, at this point, Kerrigan is asking around. He's like, where's my son, Sumner? And Fedor comes in and he tells him, we haven't found her, but we may have a lead on what happened to Nina. So, he tells him about Nina being captured and placed on a boat to go to the ice courts. And he tells Kerrigan, she's in the company of witch hunters. We may be able to track her. And, you know, one thing about Kerrigan that I am noticing, he is very, I don't know if I want to say he's loyal to his Grisha, but the Grisha that are important to him, he will fight for them. 
And for Nina, you know, they're like, okay, well, she, she's on the way to court. She could be dead. He was like, no, find her, bring her back. And if you have to kill that witch hunter, hey, you can kill him too, but bring her back, get her back, get her here safely. And then it, it transitions into the scene where Nina and Matthias are now in the water because as we saw in the previous episode, there was a huge storm that was about to overtake the ship. And so the ship has wrecked and Matthias was on a floating piece of driftwood, unconscious. Nina gets up there. Mm. She does her heart render magic and awakens him. He falls into the water. And immediately in this, I'm like, okay, Nina, are you going to pull him up with you? Or are you going to leave him in the water like Rose did to Jack? No, see, I think no. this is solve like all the problems people have with uh, Titanic. <laughs> it really did because you see, that's what could have happened. Well, no, that couldn't have happened because they were in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's no way Jack is swimming anywhere. So. Yeah, but at this point, they're kind of negotiating with each other because again, this is a Grisha hunter and a Grisha. They don't trust each other, but they need each other in order to survive. Like, like they say, you know, Matthias is like, well, you need my strength in order to swim back to shore. And she's like, well, you need my heart render magic to keep you alive and keep you strong so that you can swim back to shore. So at this point, they have to work together. Matthias is going to have to swim and he's going to have to use Nina's magic to keep him alive because they're in icy cold waters. He's not meant for that. You know, she could do her own magic and keep herself warm, but how would she get to the shore? And this leads into probably one of my favorite scenes in the episode <laughs> because we get to see a lot more. <laughs> Excuse me. Because we get to see a lot more of them together, you know. But um, their ship is one, you know, when when the show first started and we saw them together. And I knew that this is where this shit was going to go. I was like, okay, you guys are going to try to make them a thing. I wasn't sure how I felt about it because of the fact that she's his captive. I don't think I have those reservations. Now. I mean, but is she really his captive? I, mean, I don't think she is. Yeah, at this point. It, it seems like she's not. the one with all the power in the relationship. Yeah. In this episode, she definitely establishes that yeah but you know it's just I think also too and we saw this in the last episode he was doing what he had been raised to do and what he had been trained to do and I think she started breaking down those walls and making him realize okay maybe I don't have all the correct information or maybe Grisha aren't as bad as I've been led to believe now we do see there's still a little bit of that in him in this episode it's very fun watching Nina try to break that wall down with him because we get some hilarious hijinks and we get some very awkward moments with Matthias and Nina but at this point once you see it start breaking down I was like okay this might actually be my favorite couple in the show I mean it's like at no point at no point did I not think that Nina could have gotten away whenever she wanted to but being who she is and, and what she can do, it's better for him to be an ally than to just discard him and try to get on with her mission. Not only that, but I think it's also maybe for her, I think it's important for her to kind of be the one to change his opinions on Grisha because if she just abandons him and leaves, he's going to think, oh, okay, Grisha can't be trusted just like they've taught me. If she kills him, 
then everybody else is going to think the same thing. Oh, Grisha are only out to kill us and harm us. And I really feel like she feels like if there's any chance of her changing his opinion about what the Grisha are and what they do, she has to stick with him. And I don't think, I, I know, yes, there's an attraction there on both parts that they're both heavily trying to deny, but I don't think that was her intent at first. You know, she's like, okay, you know what? I can change his mind about how he looks at the Grisha. You can see it on the boat, like when she was questioning him about his beliefs and about what he does. And, oh, so you guys are taking us to, to quote unquote trial. How many Grisha ever walk away from your trials alive? And he couldn't answer the question. And it's like, he didn't really know. He just knew that, oh, we take you guys to stand trial. He probably in his mind thinks, oh, they get fair trials. And if they're found guilty, then they're punished. But if they're not found guilty, they go free. Well, how many people do y'all actually find not guilty? Uh, hmm. You know, so I, I think it's important that she tries to change his line of thinking. And maybe that'll help further down the line in getting the Grisha hunters and getting the Druskella to leave the Grisha alone. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No, he's probably going to be a sole case, but there's always hope. You can always, you know, you can always be optimistic about what might happen. Now, if you happen to end up in a yurt with no heat and you have to nicely disrobe for body heat, and that just kind of sort of happens along the way, then okay. That's not a yurt. <laughs> That's a hut. A I've hut. been in a yurt. Why? That was a hut. Why are you looking at me like Mike is giving me the most I mean, evil side? Why, right I, mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, beyond the fact that Nina has body, like, damn, I was, I didn't really realize until there was, I was like, damn, I, what the hell? Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in on her now. Okay, that's fine. But it's like this whole interaction is funny because I've, I realized that the Fjordan are basically Amish because of the way he was talking. <laughs> no, because listen to how they were talking. It's like, he's like, no, this is right. The woman should know her place. And oh my God, you talk with such a potty mouth. Where did you I learn how to talk like this? So many times during that conversation, I thought my eyes would get stuck in the back of my head. I was like, oh I mean, my God. God. Sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. I have all Miss Rosens, and you're absolutely right. I'm saying it's you're like that's exactly right. what they are. It's like it's, yeah. it's like he's all prudish. I never thought of it. He's like he's like oh my god. Like oh a woman would god. a woman would never talk to me like that. She knows her place. And Nina's like <gasps> really? Huh, I'm gonna have to fix this. And it's like you're up. I you I. I never put it together until just now, but you're absolutely right. They're 100% Amish. You can't change my mind about that either. But yeah. They're not even Mennonites. Oh, God. And it's so funny. (laughs) They're going back and forth. She's like, are all Driskella so prudent? She's like, are all Fjordan so immoral? (laughs) But it's so cute, though. It's so cute watching the two of them, though. But see, the the thing is, is that I, I think that for Mateus, it's it's not so much that she's forcing him to see the truth. It's more like he's realizing that everything that he's been taught may not necessarily be as strong of a thing as he thought. Because I can see him doing what you guys are saying to do, but I can also see him like, well, maybe I thought about this once when I was 10 and it put out of my mind and now it's here again. Nah. 
mean, you know, I, but I, I don't think that she was ever in danger of him actually hurting her. And I think that he was more in danger of her hurting him. Because if she's as strong of a, of a person as, as they're saying, as Kerrigan is saying, she would probably take him out without any trouble. Oh, absolutely. Without even, without even using her Grisha powers. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But it, it is funny to watch them because she's speaking a lot of sense to him. She's like, look, if you swam all across the ocean just to get in this hut and die because you want to be, you know, prudish and, and not keep warm, that's on you. And it's like, you can see the look on his face. He doesn't want to believe what she's saying. He's, he's like, he doesn't want to listen to her. He wants to sit over there and skulk and be, you know, just in his in his wraps and in his wet clothes and nah, I'm going to be fine. And she's like, look, dude, we have the body heat. I have the powers to keep you alive. Get over yourself. I'm just trying to stay alive here. I don't care about you and your body. And he, he finally, (laughs) she has this line when he's getting ready to undress, when he finally acquiesces and he's getting ready to undress and he's like, turn around don't look and she was like um i just want you to know there's nothing special about fjord and me <laughs> you know, it's just and he's just so uncomfortable she just keeps ribbing him and he's just so uncomfortable that poor thing but it's so funny though i like watching scenes like this where men are intimidated by the women this is so funny to me i'm sure um but uh as soon as <laughs> as soon as um matthias got naked nina inst- i bet nina instantly got warm in a hurry because she was she sized him up like a snack like in a hurry like as soon as she saw him she was just like mm, okay get in this bed come on over here i mean i can't say that i blame her i mean i can only remain those are two very attractive people in this scene i can't speak for matthias so, but for nina i would yeah but yeah I i'll speak for both they're both like they're uncomfortable because they're attracted to each other not just physically but you you've got you've already got a little bit of the mental bond with them you know from just from back and forth on the ship them talking to each other them challenging each other you know you kind of see both of those walls breaking down and then you've Mm -hmm. got a you you're adding a physical element to it now it's just kind of like yeah well what are you gonna do well in, in in the in the book basically it's love at first sight and neither one of them wants to admit it literally it's like oh hi how are you but then say but they don't want to and in in the book it's interesting because it actually takes uh nina a little bit more time to kind of admit that she's in love with him she's like well i'm going to use him for what i can get this and that and you know it it, it's 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 so much fun it's fascinating right on on how they did this it's it's one of my favorite things i'm sitting there going yay but you know so and again, that is not a yurt. That's a hut. Well, yeah. I For some reason, I had yurts on the brain because of something I was listening to. There, mm. there, There's a reference in a rap song that talks about a yurt. So that's I had that on my brain. <laughs> but I, I, I've rented one. That's why I know. Why am I not surprised? I'm that not, was Mark's I'm idea. I'm not surprised we, at all. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called living in Northern California. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. But going back to the show, so like I said, Alina has gone her separate ways from Kaz and the Crows and she's wandering through 
the town and you know she she's lost she doesn't have any money she doesn't you know she's she's pretty much displaced again and she picks up a fruit and i'm i'm just so sick of of the people and their attitudes towards her in this episode i mean not even just in this episode in this show because when she picks up the fruit, she's asking the guy how much it is. And he's like, shoe currency isn't good here. Excuse me. I thought money was money and money spent very well anywhere. Right. Or is that just me? <laughs> Not if you're a POC. I can see kind of Aladdin parallels here. Like they kind of looked at her like a, like she was a street rat. Like street she was like she was yeah. beneath them. And it's like, especially like when, like, yeah, like when the guy said, yeah, get your shoe money away from me. And then, then when the when the guard like bumps up against her, it's like he just dead no idea. He, he, I mean, the fact that nobody knew who she was, I mean, it, I mean, especially since she was shoe, and it's like it shows like the disdain that everybody there has for the shoe, and that, like you said, that's just sickening. Yeah, but I guess in a way too. I guess in some ways it's kind of good if you think about it like this because. People will have heard of the Sun Summoner by now. And the fact that this shoe girl who is in East Rafka, which as we can see, I don't think they've mentioned any other shoe people in East Rafka. Like literally people look at her and they're like, oh my God, she's shoe. Like she's a one in a million. So the fact that nobody is looking at her and saying, oh, she must be the missing girl or whatever the case may be. Cause I think at this point, I, well, I don't know at this point, if it's public knowledge that the sun summoner is gone, but there are guards in the town looking for her. Jesper is asking around for her. So I think maybe the fact that nobody knows that she's half or part shoe or whatever her genetic makeup might be, because we've never heard again, we don't know who her parents were. We don't know what her parents were. So she could just be distantly shoe. Who knows? But I like the fact that nobody knows who she is. So even though they're remarking about her appearance, nobody is putting two and two together saying, oh, wait a minute. That's the girl that everybody's been asking for. They've been asking around for. So she's still able to be a little bit inconspicuous in the town because everybody's ignoring her, which is good. That's probably the one time that she does want to be a little bit grateful that people don't like quote unquote her kind because it makes her easy to ignore which is what she really wants in a situation like this you know when you have the most powerful man in town looking for you you don't want to be easily found right so back at the little palace kerrigan calls in zoya to tell her that at sundown he's leading a team to pursue kaz and the crew who stole Miss Starkoff, because again, at this point, he doesn't believe that she left voluntarily on her own. And they're talking back and forth about who's going to be needed for this mission to go after Alina and everything. And this is where Zoya starts to show her ass just a little bit, you know, because she's following him and she's questioning whether or not he needs to go after Alina. She was like, what do we know about her anyway? And when he says, well, what are you trying to say? She's like, maybe she wasn't abducted abducted maybe she ran off on her own and kerrigan doesn't want to believe it but zoya tries to play i won't say she tries to play it up but zoya tries to make it seem like alina never fit in and 
it was maybe you know she she caused some problems or maybe she wasn't she didn't feel quite at home here maybe she just decided to leave and it's during this exchange that we kind of see that Zoya has just a little bit of a thing for Kerrigan no 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 say it no no say it plain (laughs) they were fuck buddies yeah yeah Kerrigan hit that which which goes back and explains the lavishness of her tent in the first episode where and and explains her attitude where she's like oh i've had the general i can have anybody in this space that's probably why she was like when mal wouldn't go along with her advances she's like like who are you i've had the general and you you don't want to be with me excuse me but yeah you, you could tell i mean by the little moment of intimacy that they they shared that we saw between them that yeah yeah kurgan said that oh yeah definitely but it does appear to have been I don't want to say all business for him because that sounds so. It's probably rude. all business for her. Hanako, Hanako, repeat after I me. Know. Repeat after me. Romeo pimp. Come on, <laughs> come on. You can say it. But Romeo yeah, so pimp. basically, Zoya tries to seduce him. You know, she tries to get oh, his mind God. off of Alina. <laughs> you know, and and one thing I uh, telling you, Kirigan. Uh, so he's sitting there and it's almost like he's playing into it you know she was like you know I can do this for you and blah 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 I can help you relax and we know what kind of relaxes she's talking about mm-hmm. and he looks at her and he has this soft look in his face and he says I will relax when I have Alina and got a pit move right there that was a pit what was that what was that one book that they had what was his name I forget Ice-T named himself after him uh, whatever the, the guy that was, iceberg, anyway, that was slim. A iceberg slim <laughs> yes thank you that was an iceberg slim moment right there but yeah baby when I find my other girl baby and I get out of here exactly. right exactly. <laughs> and the look on her face was like oh well never mind damn I mean, that wasn't was, no oh well never mind that was a well okay she, she took another one okay <laughs> she was pissed okay she, she was, was real pissed. pissed she it, it, it was less than five seconds from as soon as it left his mouth she was like Ugh. i mean she yeah i so say again i keep telling you he's a pimp he's straight up but uh yeah no and, and the thing is she should have expected that because here's what i think besides them sleeping together i truly believe that until alina showed up she was for lack of a better word the, his top girl she was the, <laughs> she's the most talented <laughs> literally she was she's the star she's the star she was the one that no matter all the other grisha she was the one that was the most talented she was the one that had the most attention Mm -hmm. she was the one that everyone used an example of the ideal grisha she's the smartest in the class the best fighter everything so She's used to being, you know, that bitch, as they would say. And then Alina comes around, and Alina, who has no training, orphan, waltzes in and just is suddenly the it girl. So, yeah, she's got a lot of anger. She's got a lot of frustration, and she's got a lot of jealousy because Alina basically didn't have to work as hard as Zoya did to get Zoya's position. That's that's what I'm just saying. You know, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I'm sitting here. What'd you say? This is the Gizoy's position. Like, oh my God, there's so there's so much innuendo in this episode, <laughs> in this conversation right now. But I was sitting here thinking about it when you were describing it, Laura. You know what came to mind? And we always throw our other pop culture references 
it's it's kind of like when Bella first arrived in Forts and Jessica was like, oh my God, it's like oh a shiny yeah. new toy. Yep. Yep, that's true. That is true. Alina's you, you the shiny new toy. Exactly. Exactly. Literally. Yes. Uh, and, and like I said, it, it was so hard to watch because this poor girl literally would do anything for him. I mean, like I said, I, I, I joke when I say Romeo pimp, but this guy is a straight up pimp the entire series. That's his, whether it's, it's women, men, objectives, he is the one that always has to be in charge. And if he doesn't, heads are going to roll. I mean... I mean, literally. he's 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 literally been around for hundreds of yeah. years. Yeah, right. When, exactly. when has he not been in control? That, exactly. True. That is true. But um, speaking of Alina, so we see her in the next scene. This is where we talked about her meeting with the guards, the guards who were supposed to be, I guess, looking for her, or maybe these are other. I think these are other guards. These are part of the maybe first army. I think. Yeah. So you know, she comes across one, and again. Here we go with the outward prejudices. Um, you're kind of far away from Shuhan, aren't you? And when she tries to leave, he grabs her. Again, somebody needs to tell these men about grabbing these women uninvited because this is not the same scared little Alina from episode one. This is Alina who has been training with Grisha in the little palace for the last at least two months. So... He tries to grab her and she fights back. And then I don't think this was intentional, but she places her hands over his face and her sun summoning powers come out and she blinds him. I was like, you know what? This ain't what y'all want. This is not the fight you guys want. Leave her the fuck alone. Just leave her alone. Thank you were about to say something, Anthony. No, just, just in, in general, uh, we started watching Yellowstone, which is a Kevin Costner show okay. on Paramount Plus, and they're cowboys all over the place. But I noticed that I guess men who think they have authority over people always tend to want to touch people, and it's just and I don't want to say it's just because she's a woman, because I'm watching Yellowstone and they're always grabbing each other for no reason. Like, dude, stop putting your hands on people. And I think it's just when you feel like you have like authority or whatever, you feel like you can put your hand on the person. It's also a thing of, it. it's an expectation of ownership or of claiming something. Let me tell you about a year and a half ago, before all this COVID stuff started, um, I went out with my siblings to a, um, to a bar just to kind of hang out. We hadn't seen each other in, in a while. We just, you know, my sister was like, hey, I'm going to go to karaoke, maybe get a drink. You guys come out. I actually went out. I'm not the type of person. I don't really do bars, you know? So that was kind of unusual for me. So I went out, you know, dressed kind of nice. Like I was going to a bar, got there first, sat at the front and, and waited for them. This guy comes from the bar and he comes over to me. And he starts trying to talk to me. Hey, how are you? What's your name? Are you waiting for someone? Can I sit and talk with you? And I was like, no, I'm not here for all that. I'm just here to enjoy some time with my siblings okay so he was like oh okay you know and he walked off walked outside came back in went back to the bar and then he was getting ready to leave he comes over to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like okay well I'm gonna get ready to go now 
maybe I'll see you some other time. And I looked at him like, why in the fuck are you touching me? Like, I didn't even know his name. He didn't know my name, but it was just the audacity that he had to put his hand on my shoulder. And that's not the first time that I've gone out where people have like touched me or grabbed, you know, and this is something that, especially like in my younger years, my teenage years, my single years, this was done all the time. Like I would walk past a guy and they would grab my arm. Hey, come in and talk to me or grab my hand and pull me back. It's, it's a thing of ownership. It's a thing of claiming it's, it's, it's like one of those things where they feel like, Oh, okay. You know what? I'm going to talk to you. And if I put my hand on you, you're going to come and talk to me. You're going to pay me some attention. And it's just, it's one of those things that gets on. I know, but I, but I also think it's, a, it's sometimes it's the context because I have coworkers that do that to me. Right? But they're your coworkers. You are you are familiar with them. So there's probably an established. Uh, I, I, I ain't that familiar with those, some of them. And I understand <laughs> that. To, to, be, to be, you know, come sit down at the table with me and, you know, and, and touch my arm or touch my shoulder. Talk. I'm not, I, I don't like that either. But I'm just saying, it's just sometimes it depends on the situation. But I was just in general saying that sometimes people in certain positions feel like they can touch you, whether it be a dude in a bar or some officers or guards trying to stop you and talk to I you. If I don't know it, you just, keep your it, hands like, off of me, I don't give I'm a I'm just fuck saying in general, who, <laughs> I don't care who you are, whether you know me or not, I don't give you permission to put your hands yeah. on me. See, that's different with anytime. me because if, yeah. if, okay, I won't even say everybody that I know, but people who I am friendly with, people who I am very familiar with, I don't have a problem with that. Like somebody will come up from behind me and wrap their arms around me and like, you know, give me a hug. If it's somebody that I'm familiar with, that doesn't bother me because I'm that type of, I'm, I'm very much an affectionate person. I am, I am the friend that gives bear hugs when I haven't seen you in two days and that sort of thing. So that doesn't bother me. For someone who doesn't know me to feel like they have the right to touch me, even if it's just the, hey, uh-uh, don't do that. And I remember I, I did that by accident at Dragon Con. Osric Child, who plays Kevin Tran on Supernatural, he was at Dragon Con one year as an attendee, not even as a guest. He had a he had an attendee badge and everything. He walked past me and just kind of out of shock, I grabbed him to stop. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do that. He was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. But is one of those things if I don't know you if you don't know me don't touch just don't do it because you never also you never know what the person that you're trying to grab at you never know what Mm -hmm. they've experienced you don't know what Mm -hmm. kind of reaction that Mm -hmm. will set off if that's a woman who has been assaulted by a man before if you just automatically Mm -hmm. just reach out there you may get a fist to the face you know just actually did that just don't do it and a guy can't guy a lot yep in, in, mm-hmm. in shows and again real life just don't do yep. it yep. because you never know what's mm-hmm. gonna happen no like this yep. guy like yep. this guard who grabbed mm-hmm. Alina and started you know started trying mm-hmm. to detain her ended up in a fight and now he's blind dude you should have kept your hands to yourself yeah um, see see I, when I go out in public, I, when I'm not with, with Mark, I, I always kind of keep to myself. I don't really, you know, I try not to go out by myself. But at work, one of my best friends, one of my best friends, 
uh, this was years ago, thought he would have some fun with me. And he came up behind me and he put his hand on my shoulder and it startled me. And I'm not the most calm person sometimes. Um, I sort of yelled at the top of my lungs, turned around and knocked him the fuck out on site. And uh, well, I've never had that problem since. Well, yeah, I, I, w- I would reckon so. <laughs> Didn't, I did I mean, I literally didn't mean to do it, but it just it was just a because my as I said, I I had an ex husband who was not the nicest person, and I I don't like to be touched at all. And this guy, he thought he was going to play a joke on me, and the next thing he knew, I laid a forty five year old man out. I would think I was thirty at the time. Did you did you yell sure you can when you did it? No, I just yelled because I was he just shocked me. And like I said, I, look at me he, like that, he reenacts huh? it. He, he reenacts it, by the way, because he'll he tells some of our friends he'll reenact. He goes, I came up behind Lori and he says, you ever seen a bear with your hands up? They go, ha! And then they flip and they go, ha! He goes, that was her. He goes, and then she knocked me out. So That's hilarious. But yeah, I, 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 I find that women who are, uh, well, well, in my experience, the weirder and the quirkier you are, in public, the less people tend, especially men, tend to bother you because they don't want crazy. So if you act like you might be a little out there, they will leave you alone. Unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't work either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so, but like I said, this guy should have thought about it before he put his hands on her because now he's blind. And now Elena is running for her life because now people, I won't say they actually know who she is, but they suspect they're like, yo, she had some kind of light. She did this. And they're like, dude, she's sun summoner. No, I don't, I, I don't know, but I just know that he's blind. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, see, here, here's my thing. I, I think that you're right about your earlier point where it, the, it may not be common knowledge that she escaped, but I think that as far as her identity is concerned, I think that they probably kept that as a closely guarded secret because if they have problems with 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 uh, her her parentage. Uh, finding out that your savior is somebody that most people are wary of probably wouldn't go over that well. Hmm. You, you, know, you know what I'm That's saying? That's a good point. So, yeah. So I don't think they I don't think they let that little tidbit slip. Yeah, and not to mention that you know, as the so-called savior, there's bound to be a few people who are not looking for a savior who don't want a savior kind of like the general Zlatans and the Arkans of the world. And if they were to, you know, release details about what she looks like people who might mean to do her harm, Grisha hunters, Druskella, it would make Mm -hmm. her easier to find, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But at, at any rate now she's got, she's got soldiers looking for her and she runs into the woods and they've almost, like they come really, really close to catching her. She's able to hide and they pass her way. And then as she's sitting there hiding, she hears rustling behind her and she turns around and it's Mal. He's found her. Oh, God. Yay. Oh, jeez. Uh, I, I wasn't that excited. Let me have my moment. Let me have okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Oh my God! Just, of course, he's gonna find her. I mean, why wouldn't he? It's like he, I mean, it's he's the best tracker they have. Well, this this is true, this is true. I, and then he he also, I mean, he knew that she was missing, 
probably follow Jesper and Kaz and, and the carriage because if she's on the run, that's the that's probably going to be the best way for her to get out. So yeah, he he's a great tracker. He found her. Yay. Now they can start hashing out all this this mess <laughs> from the last True. few weeks. True. Now they get to go through there. I can't believe you didn't write me. I can't believe you didn't write me. Wait, you wrote me? Of course I wrote you. You still care? Of course I still. Oh God, just. But I mean the way. Just, just oh, so I was the only one rolling my eyes. No, I think I think one of my my right eye got caught. I rolled it so hard. I, I had to hit my head to make it come back down. <laughs> I think I fast forwarded actually. <laughs> but I, I yeah. That's not fair, but you know. <laughs> but you know, and I said this before, I understand Alina was upset because she thought that Mal did not write her, but again, she should have known better. And her reaction, you know, when when he he I mean, he literally just helped you, got you out of a tricky situation, gave you some water for your thirsty ass, and I don't mean like thirsty like she- <laughs> You know, like she's fawning over him. Like she's literally thirsty. He gives her water and she's like, oh, so we're talking now. She throws the water bottle at him. And then she was like, where have you been? He was like, yo, I've been, I've been tracking you since the night you left the fat. No, I mean, before then you never replied to one of my letters. He was like, what are you talking about? I never heard from you. I wrote your letters every day. That should have been the end of it. Mm. She should have been like, oh, wait, what? Like that's when the gear should have started turning in her brain, but no, she still has to go into her. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Probably some long letters about you and attractive squalors. Okay. Alina, your green eyed monster is coming out to a guy who you forget has no idea that you're attracted to him and you're blaming him for imagined pursuits of other women. I was like, Oh Lord, here we go. But then she does ask him a valid question. She says, are you still afraid of Grisha women? Because the last time they were together and he was telling her about Zoya coming on to him, he told her, Grisha women scare me. But he has a great comeback for her. He's like, only the ones that keep secrets from me. That's enough to shut her up for a little bit anyway. But I mean, they have a conversation that they clearly have needed to have. Because when he says that, he was like, how long have you known? She was like, what, that I was Grisha? She was like, you think I knew that? And he says, you cheated on the test when we were children. You cut your own hand. And she says, not because I was Grisha, because I knew what would happen if I somehow passed their test. They would have taken me away. And he's like, to a palace. He's like, you would have had a better life. And she's the one that's like, but they would have split us up. And this is where I think... Again, you can kind of see the disparity in, well, I won't even say the disparity, but you can kind of see the difference in how they treat, how they feel about each other because Alina held herself back so she wouldn't be separated from Mal on her own. That was her own choice. But in Mal's eyes, if she had been Grisha, she would have had a better life and that he would have wanted that more than anything. And it's just kind of like, okay, so where do we go from here? Because one of the things that I've, I've had this conversation and I've heard this conversation, my other daughter in New York has watched the series now. And of course, she is a Kerrigan and Alina shipper. She doesn't think Alina needs to be with Mal because she feels like Mal held Alina back. I'm like, everybody keeps saying Mal held Alina back. 
Mal didn't ask her to do that. She did that on her own because she was scared to be without him. If anything, he's he's pushing, he's trying to push her. He's trying to push her forward because he wants better for her, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's that again, that's one of the reasons why Mal is one of my favorite characters. Because even though he loves her, he loves her enough to let her go and be something better than she would be if she stayed with him or if she stayed back. This is why I don't understand why people don't like Mal for her. I mean. He wants what's best for her. What greater example of love is there than that, you know? And he tells her, look, I've been trying to get back to you this whole time. The whole time that you've been gone, I've been writing you. I've been trying to fight to get back to you. And I tell you, that doggone Alina, she just she just makes me mad sometimes. <sighs> Still a trope, but... Fantasy is supposed to be a trope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Mal. I like his tenacity that, you know, he won't be stopped. I can, I actually admire that fact about him. I think that he's awesome as far as being the one person that you want on your side. Like, if something happens to you, you want Mal looking for you because you know he's not going to give up until he finds you. I can admire that. And that's, that's totally... I just... It's just like the... I'm... Maybe... Okay... I'm a guy, so it's like the will they or won't they thing is just like really just yeah. just decide. Yeah, but then here comes the burst to her bubble when Mal tells her he's like, I found the stag and she was like you found it? He was like, yeah Kirigan gave orders from the palace to find it and he used one of your drawings and, and I thought that was you reaching out to me. Like all this time Mal thought it was her reaching out to him. And Alina was like, she's sitting there thinking, she's like, he stole it from my journal. Bagrat was right. He's been obsessed with finding it. And this is when she realizes, she's like, look, it's the one amplifier that could rival his power if another Grisha claimed it. And, you know, it's kind of, I hate to say I like the look of mud on her face right now because she's realizing that Kirigan really was trying to get to the stag so that he could be the most powerful Grisha and that he was using her for that. Then she goes, you really wrote me letters? You know what? Just just abandon her. Just leave her in the, just leave her in the woods, Mal. Just leave her. You, you got still care about me? She looks so sad and she looks so guilty and she gives him a hug and they they kind of call a truce right now but i'm just like i still want him to find out that she erased her little um her little scar that's gonna be a big thing he needs to find he needs to know that and then she goes into the thank you for finding me always see this and and he says i'll always find you see that's the mouth that you should have trusted in when your insecurities were getting a better view that's the mouth that you grew up with I'm still mad at her about that. I'm, I'm going to keep being mad with her about that because she might not be in the mess she's in right now if she had held on to that. Well, uh, I'll, I'll give you that. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> I just think that the back and forth, I think that between the two of them, it's cutesy, but at the same time, I'm different from you. I don't like a lot of romance in my science fiction or my fantasy. So for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to skip this. I have to watch it because I'm doing the show, but I got to fast forward. I just, uh, it, it's never been my thing, but 
at the same time, I enjoy watching Nina Mateus because it's more of a, I guess you would say, not so kitty, and it's a little bit more tolerable, but eh, it's just me. But it was good points that were made by Mal, and she had one or two good points. I just think that if you grow up with someone and you are in love with them, don't want to admit you're in love with them, I think that sometimes conflict comes into it because you don't have the words or the experience to express really, you know, what, what you really want to say. You know, so right, and I understand that. And then, even especially with what's going on right now, this is not the time for them mm-hmm, to have that mm-hmm. conversation. So, so even though, yes, I like I like romance in my science fiction. I like romance in my stories. I don't feel like they overdo it with this one because it doesn't get romantic with them. Like the, she had more romance with Kirigan, or I won't even call it romance. Romance anyway she had more intimacy with Kerrigan than she does with Mal, but it's a conversation that they're eventually going to have to have. I mean, they can't, again, we, and we said this before with like the other characters, especially with like Kez and the Crows, you can't have complete trust with somebody that you can't be completely honest with. Like now Mal and Alina are together. They are on the run for their lives because Bagra wanted Mal dead. Kerrigan wants Mal dead. (laughs) He's trying to get to Alina. They are running for their lives. They're going to have to be able to trust each other in order to survive. So that, I don't know, that that conversation is going to have to happen at some point soon. But right now is not the time because uh, they're running for their lives. There, there are more important things, you know, but speaking of undeclared romances, let's talk about Cass and Vanessa. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> they are trying to locate Alina and Inej comes back and she tells Cass that, you know, there are no horses missing. So wherever she's gone, she's gone on foot. And he's looking at Inej and he's like, so you want to tell me what happened? She tells him that she let Alina go. She's a living saint. Yeah, she's a living like, saint. <laughs> right. And he says, you were hired to do a job. She's like, and you were hired to pick up a fake for an easy million Kruger. This girl is not a fake. You saw her. And Kaz is still pulling that hole, you know, and it's cute. He does a little sleight of hand here. He's like a good magician. <laughs> knows how, what, what did he say? A good magician knows how to do the trick or something like that. You saw her summer with her own eyes. The best illusions are the he most convincing. Good, That's the game. A good magician is a true artist. Right. Yeah. You can hide behind your cynicism. I don't see you falling on your knees. Yeah. And Inez just doesn't understand. She's like, look, you saw her summon the sun. That's that's a tongue twister right you saw her summon the sun with your own eyes and Kaz is like yeah no some kind of trick see at this point i'm starting to think that he's trying to convince himself that she's not real so he can justify what yeah i think so too but he says i don't see you falling to your knees to worship every heart render or squalor we meet and she's like this is different like her power is a miracle and she tells him i won't betray my faith and he tells her again he said we can't work as a team if you are making your decisions based on religious zeal and then 
she threatens, are you going to return me back to Helene? And he was like, either we get the target or Helene gets the crow club and Pekka gets whatever is left. And that's when the realization, she's like, why would Helene get the crow club? And he gets up and he storms off. But that's when, I think that's when she realizes, even though she says kind of under her breath, she's like, what did you do? Yeah, he kind of gave up the crow club so that you could be free to join him on this mission. Yeah, but but see, the thing is, were we ever that young? I mean, they're just babies. You know? Yeah, I I was definitely that young and that naive and that stupid and that uh yeah. I mean, I know I was too, but they're just they're babies. You know? But they're babies in situations that I have never had. Yeah, to yeah, same here, yeah. same here, same here. Yeah, dealing with a lot of yeah, dealing with a lot of unknowns. I'm yeah. I'm sure if I had been offered to go on a mission for a million dollars, I would have done it. Oh, I uh, my ass wouldn't. I'd be like, no, I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna be in the library. I'm gonna be in the library. Y'all, y'all see y'all when you come back. No, I probably would have done some shady things too. I probably would have done some stealing and some whatever for a million dollars. Yeah, I probably no, would have. No, 17, 18 no. years old. Yes, ma'am. Mm, not me. No, yes, no, no. I no. See, see, I was too scared to do anything. So I would be like, I'll be in the library. You can call me if you need some technical assistance. But other than that, don't don't bother me. See, I would have been scared of my mama too. But for a million dollars, that means I could have gotten away from her and away from whatever I I was scared of. I could have been like, yeah, hey, okay, I'm gonna go do this way over here where you can't snatch me up. And 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 been gone. So yeah, yeah. No. I yeah. You know, I think I think at that age, everybody you know wants to have their own level of independence. But you know, for 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 me, <laughs> that sort of thing was never appealed because I just didn't. It's not that I didn't think that I needed to leave home. It's just that I was comfortable and I didn't see the need. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucked having a, like a 930 curfew, but at the same time, I didn't push it. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So for, for me, I guess it boils down to how adventuresome are you in, in, in things like this? Because the, the kids that are in the show, and I'm saying that for a specific reason, they grew up very, very hard. I mean, orphans criminals gangs i mean this stuff is so hardcore real life that i i i literally cannot imagine what anything with that would ever 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 be like i mean the 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 hardest thing that i ever saw was like at church they vandalized the, the vending machine with the soda yeah i mean so it's like okay you know what i'm saying right so i i i i i can't i can't relate <laughs> right i don't know i i don't maybe 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 that's just me being once again weird but the thing is is that i like the fact that we get all this ya teen angst type of the stuff because i mean it's it's so interesting and i i love it because it lets us see you know the full scope of the storyline i guess that would be I don't know what I'm saying. You, you guys still want to be. Yeah, I do. So now we get another scene with Alina and Mal and they're stopping for the night. They've been on the run all day. So they find this little, I don't think it's a cave. It's just kind of like more of a secluded spot where 
they're going to try to shelter for the night while they're hiding from the guards. And they kind of have another, um, they have another conversation here that, I don't know, the conversation for me, it felt weird in a way. Like, um, so they're, they're talking about trying to find something to eat and trying to stay warm through the night. And, you know, of course, Mal talks about them keeping warm and Alina says something about starting a fire. And he tells her, no, we can't start a fire because a fire, it will make smoke. And if they're still looking for us, they'll find us. And then that's when she uses her power around him for the first time. And when she does that, she asks him if he's scared and he's like, no, your power doesn't scare me. And she's like, what is it mean? He was like, no, I'm not scared of you. Why would you think that? And she says, because I saw it in your eyes in Krabirsk. And that was when, you know, she was getting ready to leave when she was being carted away in the carriage and she was yelling to him, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I did not know. You know, I guess she thought she saw fear in his eyes. And he was like, no, I would never be afraid of you. But he says something here. He says, I'm sorry it took me so long to see you, Alina. I see you now. And I understand that's probably a line from the book that he says. But for me, within the confines of the show, it didn't feel right. Because if you look at all of the flashbacks and everything, he's always seen her. The Mm -hmm. only thing that he hasn't seen is I guess her fully as a person because she was never fully a person beforehand because she she mm, wasn't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who she was supposed to be. She wasn't her Grisha self. She wasn't her full self. So if that's what he's apologizing for, I can understand, but I still feel like it was very out of place here because to me, it, it feels like he's always seen her you know he was the only one who did and she makes mention of that so many times in this show that Mal was the one who believed in her that Mal was the one who was always there for her he always protected her you know she always talks about how he's always been there for her no matter what to me that's not an invisible person that's not you being invisible to somebody that's somebody who sees you so it just I don't know I think they put it in the show to illustrate her showing him her powers for the first time. And I think that that was the only plot device for this because it was, you're right, it's out of character. I don't, I don't think it's something that was meant to further the plot along other than, ooh, I can do this. But see, the thing is what I've been hearing, like I've been seeing a little bit on social media. Again, I still, I stay away a lot from the shadow and bone social media like Twitter Mm. and Instagram because a lot of them talk about what happens in the books and I don't really want to know what happens in the books yet but I see a lot of them using that one line to justify why she should be with Kerrigan because they're like oh Kerrigan always saw her for who she was and Mal didn't it took them being separated it took all of this for him to see her and I don't feel like that's true you know, and I'm not going to get on some big elaborate thing with it, but I just, it just didn't feel right to me in the scene. It doesn't feel right for Mal to say that to her. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, they spent most of their lives together. How can he, I mean, that just makes it seem like he wasn't paying attention. It's got, I think it's more of a bad choice of words than anything. Because he's always paid attention to her. I mean, we can see that in the right. flashbacks. We saw that when they were together before everything happened we saw that when he was on the ship dying i mean it's obvious to everybody but them that they are in love with each other 
And right. again, like I said, it just, I don't know, it just, it felt out of place. I, I could have seen that line come from Kerrigan more once he realized that Alina was more than just a girl who was the sun summoner. Like if he could see her as the person she is and appreciate that, that line would have felt better coming from him. But coming from Mal in this show doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. And I don't like the fact that people are using that to justify why she should be with Kerrigan and not with Mal. Like, uh-uh, no. Well, but, you know, I, I, I think that Kerrigan, I don't know. I, 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 I have issues with YA when the main character, and if it's a girl, has the tendency to fall for the older, uh, supposedly wiser man, young man, and or the bad boy. or the bad boy combo and they just get so into the guy and then they realize almost before it's too late that they've made a, made a bad decision they run back to their lack of a better word ron weasley <laughs> you know, they run back to you know the you know the shy you know the, the you know i mean because because you know bad boys bad girls are always attractive you know, and in reality, what you need to do is the nerd in the corner with the glasses, you know, that's the one you need to go after, <laughs> you know. I'm saying, Cereal, like, sir- we will always be the better exactly. choice. Exactly. Screw the guy in the leather jacket. Go get the nerd with the glasses. Can you, can you go back, go back right. in time? But- and I include myself, we, because right now all three of you guys have your glasses on and I don't, but I do wear glasses too. So yes, we, <laughs> we, we are always. Can we, exactly. Can, Lori, can you go back to 1986 to 1989 um, East Point, Georgia? and tell like certain girls this and like relay that message for me you know no because i remember a couple of those certain girls and you are no that no <laughs> see Stop. see Stop. that's Stop. what happens when you've been for 30 Stop. years Stop. Not, <laughs> not those girls no. dude i'm not just saying well yeah no. well you know, you Sir, know not, not not the one not the one you're thinking about hanako because that was what it means <laughs> she said girls Plural. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. No, but I know. I know who she's talking about. There was a specific girlfriend he was dating at the time. So, and she was she was cool, but no, she no. It just wasn't you. That one did. No, no. Look, look. For me, eighty six to eighty nine. She wasn't like Nina. Yeah, eighty six to eighty nine. Uh, you just you just brought back memories of eighty six to eighty nine with those sweet headgear and braces that I had. Yes, <laughs> you want to talk about somebody <laughs> that couldn't get a date? <laughs> did I mention well, my glasses were pink, the... frosted pink? You had yeah. frosted pink glasses. Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, you want to be Sally Jesse Raphael? <laughs> oh, it was bad. It was bad. I know that. I know there are going to be some people listening to this podcast who are like, who the hell is Sally Jackson? Oh, God. Probably. Oh. At least, your, at least your glasses were whole. At least yours weren't held together with duct tape and thoughts and prayers. I think we've like all, I think if, if you are a nerd who has worn glasses, I mean, it's a rite of passage that your glasses have been held together by duct tape and thoughts and prayers at some point in our lives. I think we've all gone through yeah. that. No, actually, no, no. Hey, she said all of us. Don't be ruining this. Don't be flexing, Lori. No, no, no. 
No, I'm actually trying to go back and remember because I, you know, I, I, I have, God has blessed me that I am both, wait for it guys, nearsighted and farsighted at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me too. So you need the glasses like no one's business. Like I had to get bifocals this year. Yeah. Oh, I, I have since I was in the fifth grade. I've had bifocals since the fifth grade. Oh my God. But let's no. not, look, let's not yeah. go down that depressing trail. Yeah. Let's get back to... Um... All, all I'm saying <laughs> is that because you pick the nerd in the corner, <clears throat> my husband, instead of rocking the regular Kmart glasses, you could actually buy coach glasses like I have on. Frank, Frank, <laughs> you and your, you and your coach. That's true. So, Mike, while we're talking about, you know, the, the girls that you wish you could have had back in '86 to '89, so we we've moved on to Nina oh, and Matthias. So this scene is so funny because Nina and Matthias, they are, you know, it's the next morning from when they went to sleep and. They're looking quite cozy in this bed. Oh my god, the line. Like just... they are spooned together and everything. Oh my god. That... And I'm and Nina I'm not saying up. I was giddy, but yeah, that Nina Nina wakes up and she looks back. And she's like, hi. He's like, oh my God. He he just needs to stop fighting it. But yeah, she looks back at him and she's like, Hey, how you doing? And he gets up, like he literally runs from the bed. Mm-hmm. That dude, you scared a cat. Big old Grisha Great hunter. Cat. And you scared of a little bitty old woman. <laughs> yeah, because you you know he sprouted it that morning wood. And he was like, I say I hated sleeping next to you. And she said, hmm, I can feel just how much you hated sleeping next to me. I was like, mm. hmm. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you did feel that this morning. And he's still so uncomfortable. He was like, he was like, Grisha women are so lewd. Mm-hmm. Dude, you're grown. I, I told you, he's basically Amish. It's like, you know, he hadn't had his little now in the town yet, I guess. Yeah, but it's so funny because that's when they have the conversation we alluded to earlier. Because he's like, you're so lewd. It's unseemly. Why do you talk like that? And she's like, I like to see you turn red. And he was like... Fearden women are so modest and pious. And she's like, do you speak for all Fearden women? And he, that's when he starts listing off the qualities of Fearden women. Fearden women are caretakers. They're venerated. And Fearden men are their protectors. And she's like, yeah, that sounds like a recipe for a lot of very unhappy people. <laughs> so, so basically, mom and Paul Kettle's basically what yeah, you're saying. Basically, it's like <laughs> old school chauvinistic misogynist me tarzan you jane me take care of you 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 cook barefoot in the kitchen prank oh gosh i was when i say i was you can't gagging. even get it out hanukkah you were just like get, i can't we're staying up i was gagging <laughs> i was see, gagging but see, but see the thing the thing of it is is that yes that that is the way it is but modern modern amish they're not quite like that the women actually even speaking up for themselves for the last 30 something years i mean they they're, they're a lot more evolved but i get the concept but the problem that i had is that in the book he is so chauvinistic oh just that just that face right there just just that face as, as opposed <laughs> to the way he is in the show uh, he's he's even worse in the books because in the books 
she has this thing where she feels that it's her duty to quote unquote, save him from his ways. And it's a little heavy handed at first, but when mm-hmm. it, it comes down to uh, some of the other stuff that happens with the two characters of them getting to know each other, it's not so much that he's a male chauvinistic pig, it's because his butt is in a, uh, for lack of a better word, a cult. And it is a male. Well, yeah, we kind of got that. Yeah, and, the, and, the, the, and the cult is very um, totem-like and they basically preach that sort of like the Salem witch trials, all women are evil because women, you know, convert with the devil. Basically, it's a combination of Amish, combination of the people from the Salem witch trials, basically. <laughs> but I love it because for, for someone like me who doesn't ship often, I ship them so hard, it's not even funny. You know, I mean, I just do. Yeah, I like them together, but you know, she starts telling them about what they do. And she's like, Grisha boys and girls, they train and fight together. She's like, we don't waste time on maidenly bullshit. <laughs> and you know that again, they go back and forth. He's like, that's precisely why you guys will lose the war. It's not natural for girls to fight. Again, gag me with a spoon. Yeah. And then she says, no, it's not natural for someone to be as stupid as he is tall. And yet, oh, there you I like the banter between those two, you know, but he's still spouting this. He was like, Fiat and girls, they don't want to fight. And she's like, have you ever asked one? He was like, no, I, I never needed to. It, it's how Jill, I don't know how they pronounce that, D-J-E-L, Jill intends it. I guess that's their God. That, it's the white, it's a white she wolf, said, basically. Yeah. Okay. And she says, I can't wait until you get trounced by a girl. I'm calling it now, foreshadowing. She's going to be the one to trounce him. She's, they're going to get into a fight of some kind. She's going to whoop his ass. Oh, my God. Wait, doesn't she call it in this conversation herself? Yeah, yeah. he said not she in this lifetime. It. And she was like, I'll do it myself if I yeah, have she, to. She called she it. Gonna be I'll do it child. myself if I have to. Yes, yeah, they're, they're going to end up being like Nala and Simba tumbling in the grass. And she's going to be on mm-hmm. top of him. Yep. Be like, huh, pinch ya. And then cue the fear, cue the fear, then porn music. However, that sounds is probably with a banjo and a harmonica playing slowly. And something like so. <laughs> I don't know if I see Fjordans with banjos. That just doesn't seem like it fits right. Uh, I don't. I don't know. But <laughs> can we can we just take a moment to congratulate the cinema photographer and the director of photography for having a shot of those two people who I swear are like the most gorgeous pairing of people on the show because I'm sitting there like, oh my God, can can this lighting make them they look are any absolutely better? Yeah, they're, 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 they're not ugly. Do? Seriously, I mean, they are absolutely I mean, gorgeous. Not hard on the eyes at all. Well, you know, I've watched a lot of science fiction and I have to admit, these are two of the better looking people that I've seen. But I will say this for this show and I, I think I've said this before, they got some pretty folks on this show. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Like they're all pretty. Even the bad guys, even the ones that are like only in a scene or two, they got pretty Zoe. people on this show. Yeah, Zoya and Kerrigan. Kerrigan. <laughs> I don't even. You know what? I don't even consider Zoya like one of the like throwaway characters. I mean, she is a big part of this, but yeah, I'm talking sure. about like she's still a bad. That, she's still a bad guy though. She, 
we're not talking about bad guy where i'm talking about just the show in general like like the officers from the first army you know that we saw with mal you know even the ones that are not traditionally what we would call hollywood standard attractive you know the ones that you know might have had some work done here or there whatever i mean everybody in this cast is just they're gorgeous and the way that they portray their characters as well is also i mean it just it just adds to the overall attractiveness of this show but yeah um yeah that shot of those two of nina and matthias just kind of sitting there in the hut with the fire and with the furs and yeah it it was a it was a nice shot i enjoyed it mm-hmm. yeah and especially like yeah her in the fur yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, like, oh my goodness. okay so we're gonna get off talking about the prettiness of matthias and nina <laughs> we're gonna go to the prettiness of kerrigan because i don't care how evil he might be he's still pretty <laughs> but kerrigan and his grisha arrive in the town to look for alina and as you can imagine this is going to cause some difficulties for quite a few people but kaz and jesper are back in the bar jesper says he has set an alarm trigger he has horses ready for them and you know kaz is basically telling him look if we don't move soon the black general will be on top of us we can't waste any more time looking for this girl And when Inej comes back, she says, I just settled our tab with the last of our coins. So now they're like really understanding that they're probably going to leave empty handed and have to go back to Ketterdam. And, you know, I think at this point, Jesper doesn't know about the Crow Club being held by Helene. So he doesn't understand just how dire the situation is but i mean at this point i have to i I have to interrupt you because can we please just give a moment of silence to the jasper appreciation club because the boy looks good right here you know you you know i'm a jasper fan jasper always looks good he stepped up in these last two episodes. He, he, yeah, he has. He, he's he's been less of the fool, more of a hero. But no, he he's a he, like I said, they're all they're all you know gorgeous. But he looks like I said again. I don't normally do this, but the kid looks good in the scene. I love that's it. all I'm saying. So yeah. So like we say, um, while they're sitting there talking about, hey, are we leaving empty-handed? Here comes Kerrigan. And there is, um, what's his name? David. David is in the carriage with him or is coming out of the carriage. And Kerrigan kind of turns to him. He's like, "Um, no, you stay in the carriage. I don't need you for this. I don't need you out here. Whatever that means. Whatever he needs him for, he doesn't need him for hmm. right now. That's why I told him you say right now. It means he's a nerd and he he offers no offense. He's basically a he's a planner. Step. He said, "Stay your ass, stay your ass here before you no. trip up and kill somebody." Isn't he kill a yourself. fabricator? Stay yeah, isn't he a fabricator? So yeah. I don't know if that. I don't. Yeah, but he's not a fighter. Yeah, but he can. I, I I don't know what the full extent of his powers are. I can't remember at this point. But I have a feeling Kerrigan left him behind because he probably is more important than the others. I just get that feeling. Whatever he needs him for, he doesn't need him for. Right, right now, now, yes. That's why I told him you mm-hmm. say right He's there. like, look, I need you to stay in the carriage. I need you to stay safe. And then when I need you, I'll call you. So I have a feeling like 
we've only seen David in a couple of scenes before. We saw him when he brought the gloves for Alina, which um, I think we found out that those gloves were supposed to be a way for Kerrigan to kind of control Alina's powers. And then we saw him when Alina was doing her demonstration, he was looking at Jenya. So apparently he likes her too, but something tells me that there is more to David than meets the eye. Like, you know how you have the one, the, the, the people that are the least assuming that you don't pay, really pay attention to. And those turn out to be the strongest people or those turn out to be the most, most powerful. That's what I feel like David is. And that's why he told him to stay behind. He was like, yeah, you know what? I don't need your awesomeness yet. Just, just stay put. Just chill or out. crazy. Crazy always is in there too. This is true. And, and that could very well be, but I, like I said, I have a feeling David is a little bit more powerful than, than we expect him to be at this time. But maybe Kenya told him, please watch out for, look out for my baby. Don't let my baby get hurt. Jen, you wouldn't have said it. Remember, <laughs> no, but at, at any rate, they have found the carriage that Jesper stole, you know, for them to escape. And Zoya is telling them, Hey, they may have continued on horseback. And one of the guards goes to the carriage and opens it up and there goes Jesper's alarm trigger. So they now know that Kerrigan is there. And so they're going to split up to try to avoid the Grisha. And when they come out, of course, I'm like, first of all, you're not looking inconspicuous at all because Jesper is walking out with both guns in his hands like he's ready to fight. If you're looking to get away from someone, maybe carrying around your guns is not the best idea. I mean, I understand he's fully expecting a fight at this point, which is probably smart. But at the same time, it's kind of like, dude, the light is reflecting off your guns. You're, you're making yourselves known. And sure enough, as soon as they come out, <sighs> Inej is the first one out. And she comes face to face with Polina who is the twin sister of the Grisha that she killed to save Kaz's life. And Polina, AKA Crazy Town 3.0. Yeah. And Polina sees the hilt of one of Inez's knives in her uh, belt. And she realizes that this is the girl that has killed her brother. And yeah, she is not, she is not holding back anything. She's like, I'm about to kill this bitch. And she starts setting fire to everything. And Zoya is even like, yo stop you can't burn everything down and what did she say this barrel rat killed my brother she called her a barrel rat no this barrel rat killed my brother i will reduce her to ash yeah but that was Zoya's like hold up hold up chill out right and that's what Zoya's Zoya like, like fine but be smart about it <laughs> chill out you can't, you, know, you, can't kill everybody. you can't reduce everybody else to ash though in the process the whole town on one hand, I get her. On the other hand, you could that's a side mission right there. <laughs> Look, I you can't blame her. Her brother's dead. You you she has a valid claim. Oh, very much so. But y'all rolling for old boy. You're rolling for old boy, so you maybe you might want to, you know, go after her later. Well, I mean she because whenever someone goes after direct revenge. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, but how dangerous and how badass is, is Inej that she can take on Grisha? Well, no we find out. <laughs> well, 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 we, we see that. We see something else too. Yeah, we, we do find, we do see that because yeah. Inej basically is 
going to end up one-on-one fighting Polina. Jesper gets Ivan. I'm like, this is going to be a good fight. I, I was yeah. worried about Jesper for a second. Though. I was too because, because he's fighting a heart render. Like, just like, I mean, the first thing Ivan says is, I can hear your heartbeat, boy. I was like, oh. Not only is he fighting a heart render, he's fighting a heart render in a bulletproof Kefta. So it's like his main weapon, if he doesn't do what he did, which is which is smart as shit. Like, he figured that shit out pretty quick, like how to subdue him and get him to a manageable, like to knock him down. Like, and oh. you have to ask yourself how Jesper was able to get that ass. Man, let I mean, me tell you. But, but I was I was gonna say all I'm gonna say. Can I say oh, it? No, Can no, I say no, it? Wait, wait, wait. All, all I'm gonna say is, I thought Ivan was a cool character when we first met him. But my thing was, he seemed like he might be like a knuckle dragger, just you know. Oh no! And, and I and I thought he was, but then now it seems like maybe. Maybe he's not as bright as I thought he was. Can, can I say it? Can I say it? Sure. Somebody Man. who might be just for Honey Grisha. You know, I kind of wonder that after this scene because Jesper. Okay, so we know that Jesper is a very talented mm-hmm. um, gunslinger, but this scene was bananas. Yeah. Oh, like no one's it's business. It's almost like. And, and and to put your your question, Lori, I really felt like it's almost like he was connected to the bullets, mm-hmm. like he was yep. able to yep. control them. That's how I felt. Yep. That's, yep. And I'm looking at this yep. scene like, um, is there something about Jesper we don't know, or is he just that damn good? I mean, if it, it was it was sort of in your face all along, if you watch how he handles the gun, mm-hmm. right? with the conductor when they were going through yeah. the thing. But this scene was so crazy because this kid, this kid was almost like the Matrix. I mean, that's how yeah. good he was. I did get those vibes. It's like, yeah. but, but, oh, yeah. he, but he was Agent Smith. <laughs> you know, he was oh, Agent yeah. Smith definitely. and Neo all in one. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So while Mr. May or may not be Grisha Gunslinger Jesper is dealing with Ivan, Inej is kind of, you know, I don't want to say hiding from Polina because she only hides <laughs> for like old. three seconds and then she she comes out swinging. Like it, it, she, she comes out and she's like, I'm not going to hide from this girl. I'm going to meet my fate or what. I, I don't know what, what the deal is with Inej, but she comes out swinging with her knives and, and they start fighting. And, you know, of course, Polina, somebody needs to tell Polina it never works well for bad guys. Or I, I wouldn't even call her a bad guy at this point because she's trying to avenge her brother. Her brother died. She's justified in wanting to get revenge. But because that revenge is against Inej, I, I'm calling her a bad guy. <laughs> but, you know, mm. she needs to learn that monologuing is not a good thing. If, if you mm-hmm. well. It's it's a bad guy trope. You have to monologue. I know, but you know, she's like, you killed my brother now. I will rob you of your life. You really think, I mean, this girl came out looking for you. You really think Inej yeah. is worried about you ending her life? This, no, she's, she's trying to stay alive and she's fighting and she's going up against this Inferni and she's holding her own. 
you know, she she does get injured a little bit in the process, but because Polina throws a fireball at her and she has to kind of duck from it. And she does get hurt. We do see a little bit of blood splatter on the wall and Inez is nowhere to be found. So, you know, for the next few minutes, we kind of see them going back and forth between Inez and Polina and Jesper and Ivan. And Jesper he gets the jump on Ivan. Ivan is on the ground. Jesper is about to shoot him. And then this kid that was hiding in the same space that they are fighting comes out and, and looks at them and Jesper, you know, kind of pulls the gun back. But here's the other thing, Lori, that makes me wonder because Ivan asks Jesper, what are you? He doesn't say, who are you? He says, what are you? Yep. Like, what like he are feels you? Yes. like only somebody else that was like him could have gotten the drop on him and could Mm-hmm. and yep. just was like you know he was like yep. i'm a big softy apparently i really should have shot you in the head and ivan says you're a and then jesper knocks him out and says should have stopped while you were ahead out cold i was like right yes yeah yeah like okay uh, so uh, yeah is jesper grisha and if so does he know that he's grisha or could be grisha okay this is what i think i think that jesper knows that there is something about him that is different now as far as who he is and what he is it's like you grow up and you know that you're different but you don't know why and you kind of move on with your life i think that for him yes like alina remember the girl and the woman who were hiding yes Maybe his situation is something like that. Maybe his family, maybe his mother, maybe his father, maybe they hid what they were because they didn't want to be forced to be with Carrie. Right. So I'm thinking it's more along maybe that type of situation because not every Grisha wants to quote unquote serve for the great right, good. Right, right. So I'm thinking that's what that is. I, I could be wrong. Okay, I know what the reason is, but I'm not going to say. But I'm thinking that might be it, the fact that, it, okay, if I was Grisha, I would hide. Yeah. Because I have enough issues with my life normally every day. I don't want to be special. Right. And if I'm special, I would take great pains to hide it because my motto, look, let me show you my name tag, my name tag at home, my work name tag. What does this say? Minding Minding my business. business. (laughs) That's my name tag. That would be my ass in the world of Grecian. Seriously. That is my mantra, and that's what I think Jesper is. I think Jesper is minding his business and keeping his head down, and whatever happened before, he doesn't want to get into it. He doesn't want to discuss it, and I'm thinking that that is probably the best thing he can do for himself. That's just me. I mean, yeah, I mean guys, what do you think? Here's the thing. So he knocks Ivan out and he leaves him there. So Ivan is not dead. So if that was what Ivan was going to ask him or say to him, like you're Grisha and Jesper stopped him from saying Mm. it out loud, that doesn't mean that he doesn't still suspect. So now he could go back to Kierigan and say, hey, one of the three kidnappers is actually Grisha. And then that that would start a Mm. whole other thing because, you know... I'm just I'm just thinking about what the long-term ramifications would be for Jesper if it turns out that he is Grecian. 
obviously Ivan suspects something because how can a regular person right take right. him down? He is, right. I mean, he is one of Kerrigan's right hand men as far as he's his bodyguard. Right, right. How and he's just too good. Right. Yeah. How is just some random person gonna take me down? Well, and, and the thing, and the other thing is, is that you have to understand with the Grisha in the little palace, they've been trained a certain way. So when they come across somebody who isn't what they're used to, they're automatically going to lump them into two categories. Either they're Grisha untrained, or there's something about them that is a threat to the Grisha who are trained, mm -hmm. right? So for, for him, it's a mystery because it's like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I uh, applaud this guy for what he's doing or do I report him and get him into trouble? I mean, it, 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 it's, it all boils down to what we're going to see in the next episodes to, are we going to get a resolution to this or are they just going to leave it for next season? Yay, second season coming. I, I don't know, but whatever it is, I feel that Jesper knocking him out was 100% self-protection. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, Jesper doesn't kill Ivan. Mm -mm. Inej, on the other hand, mm. unfortunately, mm. she has to kill uh, Polina because Polina is looking for her. Inej comes up behind her and she stabs her in in the chest and she tells her i'd wait for a healer a healer to be nearby before you pull this out otherwise you'll bleed out in 30 seconds and she's offering this she's offering mm -hmm. Polina, hey look i don't have to kill you i could i can you know i'm gonna let you live but then polina again opens her mouth and she was like, mm -hmm. what, what did she say? She said, I am going to track you down and kill everyone that you love and then you. And Inez is like, well, in that case, I'll take my knife back. And she takes the knife and Polina falls. And you know that this hurts her to do it because Inez is not the type of person who wants to kill. That's been, her, that's been one of the big things about her Inez, her character and i don't yeah. think that she killed to save herself it was everybody else that she cares about Inej, for about 60 seconds wait for it became sookie stackhouse nah. no no yeah no i will argue this no. she thought about the greater good I, I i get your i get your hesitation i'm just gonna make these two points greater good self-preservation okay 2.5 she realized that that was the only thing that she could do and it's better to make a situation better than make a situation worse because at the end of the day somebody has to die and lafayette was nowhere to help her i mean i understand i understand your comparison but i think it's just two totally different situations i mean in this one polina would be going after everyone that she loved because again Inej committed the wrong, true. you know, true. she killed Polina's brother. Right, right. So in Inej's mind, she's going to come after everyone I love and she's going to kill people for something that I did. Right. And she wasn't, she wasn't going to let that happen. You know, mm -hmm. if it had just been her and she was killed, Polina probably would have earned that death. She would have earned that kill. Okay. okay. 
Okay, okay. But, I can roll that. You know, okay. Inej is like, Inej pulled an Arya Stark. She's like, not today. <laughs> she pulled that knife out. <laughs> this, is, this is true. This is out of here. This is true. And then the next scene is one of my favorite in the whole episode. Kaz comes face to face with General Kerrigan. Mm. And when I tell y'all I was so scared about this scene, mm-hmm. I was so scared. I was like, oh, Kerrigan, what are you going to yeah. do to Kaz? And, you know, he approaches him. He's like, I know you kidnapped my son, Sumner. You're going to tell me where to find her. And Kaz is like, nope, we didn't take her. She left on her own. We just happened to be her ride. And Kerrigan has the audacity to look surprised, like, oh my gosh, she actually had the audacity to leave me. Mm. This is what? true. And then he, you know, he says, I won't ask again. And Kaz is, you know, he tells him, he's like, look, I don't know where she is, but it was pretty clear she wasn't interested in being a captive anymore. I mean, he's thinking about the words that she said to them. She said, I will never be anyone's captive ever again. She looked at herself as a captive under here again. And Kaz, he said, she's probably halfway to Novi's Novi Zem by now. And you see the shadows coming behind Kerrigan, like he's about to do something to Kaz. Kaz pulls out something in his pocket. And when Kerrigan starts approaching him, he's like, you should have stayed in Ketterdam, Mr. Brecker. Kaz throws this thing down and he disappears like he does a magician's trick. I was like, <sighs> when I tell y'all, I was so relieved because I thought Kaz was about to get it in this scene. And even Kerrigan looks like Kerrigan looks kind of like, hmm, okay. I underestimated this dude. Well, it's like Mike said, Kaz has plans on top of plans. He always gonna have it out. On top of plans, yes. He always gonna have it out. Always. But here's the thing. Now you are on Kerrigan's radar because you just got away from him. That's not going to work out well for Kaz, I don't think. It's 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 put him on Kerrigan's radar. That's just I don't know. Well, the problem is he would have to go to Ketterdam to get Kaz and he's not going to do all that. He's not going to do that. He's, he's going to send people. <laughs> he's going to send people to do that. But here's my thing. If Kaz was able to get away from you, your people ain't going to be able to do shit. Not if you're supposed to be better than, you know, you're supposed to be the most powerful Grisha. You're supposed to be the smartest. You're the general. You're the tactician. You're the one who, if anything, Cash should never have gotten away. But again, the whole bad guy, you know, monologuing trope, and he wasn't even monologuing. He was asking, he asked too many damn questions. Should have taken Cass first and then asked your questions. Well, it's also that thing where you ever see a big dude and no one ever messes with the big dude ever. Mm-hmm. And then the first time he gets in a fight, someone kicks his butt because no one yeah. he's, he's never fought before. So I don't yeah. think he's ever Kerrigan's ever faced anyone quite like Cass. Yeah. And and that that's gonna put him at a disadvantage because he's had all these hundreds of years to to be the person he is. No one's ever really challenged him like that. So Does anybody think that Kerrigan's darkness feeds off of fear? That's a good point. Because, like, you know, so I'm wondering if someone is facing him and he's not afraid, does that make his power a little bit less potent than someone like Arkin, who was dreadfully afraid and, like, his darkness, like, was engulfing and, like, pretty powerful? I'm wondering if there's a parallel to that. 
Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, again, that's for, for you with your screen name as Tropodope, that is a, a, a common trope. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's not a romantic trope, which this episode is full of, but I digress. It is. Speaking of which, that's a good segue into the next Alina and Mal <laughs> scene, which is not really all that romantic. I mean, she's really like, she's taking care of Mal. She's kind of nursing his wounds. And, you know, you've got the bullet wound from when he got shot. You've got the, the stab wound from when he got, um, when he, shit, his guts almost got sliced open. But it's like a pincushion, you know. So this is where you know she asks him about what happened to him, and he tells her, you know, we got caught behind enemy lines, and this is the first time that she hears that Mikhail and Dubrov were killed. And you know, I think I won't say she didn't know before, but I think at this point now she really starts to feel the gravity of the situation that she is in, like. These two people were trying to help Mal get to her because Mal was trying to get to her ever since she had been gone. He thought that she was sending him clues with the drawing of the stag and, you know, Kerrigan sending them to find the stag. He thought that this was what she wanted or she needed and he, he was trying to do it and lost his two good friends in the process. And this kind of like now Alina is realizing, oh my God, this all happened because of me. Or at least that's what she's feeling at this point. And then she also starts to realize, she's like, yo, did you tell Kerrigan where to find this stag? And he tells, him <laughs> no, he tells her no. And she was like, well, how much does he know? Can he find it without you? And he was like, no, I just pointed to a broad area on the map. That's it. So then Mal is thinking, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll go back to the fold. We'll go through. And then that's when Alina starts telling him, no, I learned that killing this beast amplifies Grisha's abilities if he gets this stag he's going to be unstoppable so she tells him that they need to go and find the stag so that she can be the one to mm. kill it and she can be strong enough to get rid of the foe on her own and when Mal says is that why Kerrigan wants it so badly and she was like no I think it has some other use for him but at this point she's fully like no i don't trust him we're going to find this stag ourselves and is it necessary for them to kill the stag or can they just get like a piece of his antler and use that as a conduit well see that's the thing i think she thinks that she's supposed to kill the stag because that was kind of what was told to her when she talked to the apparat for i don't think he ever said that they had to kill them but right. he did mention that they had been killed for what they could do for the Grisha, you know, for their power. So I think at this point, she just thinks that, okay, I have to kill it and that's how I get its power. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you're right. And then uh, look, segueing into another kind of sort of romantic thing, we get mm -hmm. Matthias and Nina again. I love this couple. I just oh, have yeah. to say. They're, they're, they're everything all day long, literally. I mean, I love them and they're trekking through the cold <laughs> still in there i'm sorry <laughs> i know so they're trekking through the cold and nina is still challenging him she's like yeah if you let down this wall you might find that you actually like me and that maybe grisha aren't so bad and she turns around she stalks off and he does this he does that it's the look everyone has when they are resigned to mm -hmm. a truth they do not want mm -hmm. to accept 
he has that look and then he says i do like you and she's like what was that he's like i do like you which is funny because he has spent this whole episode fighting her and she was like is that really so bad he was like yes and she's like why he's like because you're horrible which i don't think nina is horrible she's not horrible but he says you're horrible and you're loud and you're lewd and the way he is looking at her while he's saying all of this stuff i know it's so cute i literally thought i was watching sleepless in seattle for a second oh god Oh, or a movie, like a romantic movie. Like, oh, I, it's like I hate God. you. You're lewd. You curse all the time. You smell and, and all of a sudden, they kiss, and it's oh, like, God. yeah. He's like, how do I know you're not messing with my insides and making me feel like I like you? Like he really thinks she's using her heart render power so, to make him so feel adorable. that way. And he says, they warned us about how charming Druja." And she's like, I'm a wicked G- uh, wicked uh, Grisha tempers and all this. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so cute. It's so cute. Yeah, but they're just looking at it. She's like, yeah, oh, I see. I'm the wicked Grisha seductress. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because in this moment, I'm just sitting here screaming at the TV like, will y'all just go ahead and kiss already? Damn. Yes. But at the please. same time, I'm looking at them like, Y'all lips are frostbitten. If y'all kiss right now, your lips are probably going to fall. <laughs> and they still maintain the two best looking people on the show. <laughs> Even frostbitten. Frostbitten with no exactly. lips. Like, damn, <laughs> right. But I like the fact that, you know, they're getting closer together. It looks like they're about to kiss. And then they start doing the play fight. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's automatically going to be. They're a couple. They're already a couple. Whatever. Can you feel the love? Look, look, anybody that makes Lena Headley for Game of Thrones look ugly is number one in my book. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they're they're gorgeous. (laughs) Okay. And and Matthias, he's even more gorgeous when he smiles. I was like, he started smiling and laughing. I was just like, right? Again, not my normal thing, but I'm sitting there going, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Just yeah, but all of this playfulness has its mm. consequences. Oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. A hole appears in the ice, and Nina is hanging on for dear life. And she's asked, she's like, "Please help me! Please help me!" And Matthias looks at her at some point, like it was almost like, "Oh, you know what? I could let you fall into this hole, and then I won't have to like you. I won't have to feel guilt. I won't have to." question everything that i've ever been taught about the grisha he almost looks like he's considering it for a quick second mm-hmm. if we can mm-hmm. go back to his almond's paradise right and then don't she make me and he he pulls her out and they both look at the whole like those two scenarios played in both right. their minds Heads, i mean right, she's yeah. looking like oh my god i almost fell Oh my God! Like, oh my God! Fall. Right. And, and, looking and, at the yeah. same thing, like, oh, she almost fell. Oh, I almost let her fall. And in that moment, I think he makes a decision because he yep. gets up, he extends his hand to her, and he finally, finally yes. introduces himself, Matthias Helper. I, I don't. And then Nina Zenick. And I'm like, oh yes, there. Oh, 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 oh! I I wish. I, I, I don't know because we, we're talking about maybe doing some books. We have to because there is so much I want to say, but I can't say. 
Yes, don't. But um, we have to we have to read the book. But my Very thing is chivalrous. Oh, because of course her fur has fallen down the hole. Oh, oh, he gives her his fur. I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm. That's it. That ship is the ship has sailed. I'm. And uh, I'm on mm, it. I'm, oh, I'm there. Oh, I'm there. Oh, oh. Mm. Such a I, 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 I admit, the first time I watched it. It was one of those Saturday afternoons where I was doing the whole, you know, mind of my business, might have cracked open a bottle of wine. I started crying my ass off. I was like, no. Oh, did you? Oh, so romantic. Oh, yes, I did. I've only done that for Vampire Diaries, and you know that. So, <laughs> okay, maybe one small episode. But other than that, I don't, but oh, I, I was like, Titanic, heart will go on. Uh, I just, it was like, oh, yeah, literally. So, yeah. So we get back to Kaz and the Crows. So they have all reconvened. They're all alive, thankfully. It is now daylight. So I don't know where Kirigan and his Grisha are. I'm guessing they've gone back or they're still looking for them. Inej comes out and of course she has her injury. So she's having a hard time walking and she looks at them and she says the inferno's dead and Kaz looks at her and just nods his head like again he understands what kind of admission that is for Inej the fact that she had to kill someone else in order to protect all of them I think you know um Kaz owes Inej quite a few huge ass favors a lot I'm gonna call it now He's going to help her find her family. He has no choice but to do that now. Yeah. If, if for nothing else than guilt because of what she's had to do in order to one, save him and then to save the rest of them. And plus, He's got yeah, to. Yeah, because she's, she's barely hanging on to her faith now. I mean, the only thing really holding her to her faith is seeing Alina. I mean, other than that, she's already killed twice. Nothing, and she hasn't been struck down by a vengeful God. So she's like, well, maybe nothing's going to happen. But now it's like I think I think Kaz. Is I like, don't think she thinks that way. I because again she didn't kill in cold blood. Both times that she killed, it was to save a life. The first time was to save Kaz. The second time was to save everyone else that she knew. So I don't think as as a person of faith, even though yes, I do realize like in Christian faith, supposedly you know any kind of sin is supposed to be a sin maybe for her it's a little different because she didn't do it in cold blood she didn't do it out of malice she didn't do it out of spite she did it in self-defense she wasn't paid to do it either yeah and she wasn't paid to do it like they were both justifiable kills yeah i mean but i also think that kaz is kind of worried about her like i wonder if there's a past of her actually liking to kill people like maybe he's worried that she's going to start liking it now and not have as much hesitate or apprehension about killing people i don't think so because knowing him knowing his crew and also the way that she looked at him when she said the inferno's dead you could see how much that bothered her on her face and i'm sure he could read that on her face too which is why he just kind of nodded. It could have been, what took you so long? We've been waiting for you, whatever. When she says the Inferno is dead, the look that she gave him, I feel like told him everything he needed to know about that situation. So 
he knows that she feels guilt about it, but he also knows if she did it, it was something that was necessary. And he understands the gravity of that. He understands the weight of that. But at this point, she's injured. They can't use the horses that Jesper secured to leave. She can't ride. And then he happens to look over and he sees this nice, black carriage that General Kerrigan has just left sitting in the square while he's out looking for them and looking for Alina. And Kaz actually walks over like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and steal his carriage. Jesper opens up the door and David is still inside reading a book and he tries to get away. He throws a book at Jesper and goes out the other side and Kaz is there to knock him out. And it's so funny because Jesper gets out and he says, he threw a book at me and he holds up the book <laughs> and it's a copy of Shadow and Bone. Ah, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I missed yeah. that. I missed that. I missed that. It's a copy of Shadow and Bone. <laughs> oh, that's, that is funny because they, they used to do that with uh, True Blood with Charlene Harris. She used to pop up or they would be reading the latest book. Yeah. And they did that for Stephen King too in, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, yeah, a lot of book authors, they make cameo, cameo appearances. Yeah. Um, Actually, Lee Bardugo, who wrote the Shadow and Bone series, she actually appeared in the first episode. She was one of the Grisha. Right, because she's got she's got that curly uh, blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's true. Because I actually, I did see that, yes. Yeah, but... You know, it's so funny because the next scene we see Ivan helping David up and you see Kerrigan coming and Ivan is like, they stole and Kerrigan is like, I know, like, I can clearly see my carriage is missing. I don't need you to tell me this. But, um, you know, Ivan wants to go after them and he's like, no, she's not with them and she's our priority. So we're going to go after her. And it's so funny because David starts, he raises his hand and Kerrigan is looking at him like, you don't have to raise, like, you don't have to raise your hand to speak. Like, are you 12? Are we in school? <laughs> but yeah, so, and, and Ivan's looking at him. And, and so David said, well, you know, Jenga gave her a ring. It made a pure iridium. And uh, when we get within one mile of her, I can direct this. So basically, <sighs> Alina has a GPS tracker on her. Yeah, Jenny has slipped a tracker on her. Just in yeah. case. But I don't even think it was the fact that Jenya did it on purpose. It just happens to be with the, the material that the ring is made out of. Mm. David can track it. So again, David has some powers that we don't know about and what was it that Kerrigan says he says proving again the many uses of a durast yeah like, yeah I, I I'm like you at the top of the episode I want a detailed list of some of these uh variant powers because yeah there's some weight on this stuff yeah so um basically a durast um they deal with solids mm. such as steel um, it says, uh, I'm looking on the Grisha verse fandom. Uh, yeah, the Durast and Alchemy. Or, yeah, or... so the Durast deal with solids such as Grisha steel, core cloth, textiles, and glass. Mm. So I'm guessing because of the material that the ring is made out of, he can probably sense it. He can probably manipulate it. And, you know, he's going to use that to his advantage to find her. I mean, hmm. she can't have gone far 
So I, I, I think maybe it was intentional because iridium isn't something you just automatically turn into a ring. You know what I mean? And and give yeah. to someone, and especially since he knew that it was iridium, makes me think that oh yeah, had it made specifically for her. Okay, yeah. that, 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 that makes that, sense. That, that's I, I would just suspect that it's not a theory; it's just an observation. Trish, I, I don't know. I mean, it. I'm I'm still listening. I can still I can still hear theories when I hear them. So I mean, <laughs> or theories or suppositions. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Supposition. Yes. So we go back briefly to Mal and Elena, and again, they're still on the run. They're still talking about you know a little bit of their past, just in in passing. You know, um, they're actually tracking the stag, and Elena she she makes note that they're going to be crossing into Fjorder soon and Mal tells her look I don't like putting you in harm's way and she says when have you ever backed down from a fight he was like um since I took on this new job as being bodyguard to a saint (laughs) she's like what if I'm not a saint what if I'm just me and he's like look when we were kids you used to fight boys three years older than you protecting me he was like, I'm going to do the same for you. And then what else did he say? I'm going to need you alive to, uh, to witness so that if I die, people can write songs about me. And I sat here and watched that. I was like, oh, we know a singer songwriter in another show that can write a song about him that might yep. be catchy. Toss a coin for your tracker. Oh, Valley of Plenty. Okay. Okay. Right. All I have to say is that you cannot experience that song unless you've been on a cruise ship and you meet fellow geeks and you play it every night before you eat dinner. They sing that on a cruise ship? Wow. Oh, yeah. We, our, ta- our table had geeks. It was by okay. happenstance. And every night before we ate dinner, we actually discussed, because we watched each episode per day and we discussed it and we played the song. That's fun. Okay, I'm really a nerd. <laughs> That's fun. But, you know, Mal... In their conversation, he talks to Elena. He was like, you know, you look healthy, basically talking about her appearance. Mm, like she mm-hmm, looks mm-hmm. healthier than she did or that he's, than he's used to seeing her because they were always, you know, I won't say they were starving, but they weren't the, they weren't the most well-fed right, 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 children right, right, or adults. They were, you know, they were in the army and, you know, everybody knows about army rations and, you know, they weren't eating any feast like she was eating at the little palace and Mm -hmm. you know he just kind of asked her he was like so is that what a summoner does like makes you healthy and then that's when she realized she's like that's how he's lived for so long and then when mal says who she's like alexander he'll hunt me down and he'll never stop i'm the only threat to him now and then mal who's alexander Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) oops Happy, and she's like ooh, General ooh, Kerrigan, ooh, and at that point, ooh, which is the way she says General Kerrigan is kind of like one of those, oh yeah, by mm. the way, and Mal just kind of gives her this knowing look, like oh, and she says, you know, I made some stupid choices at the little palace, and and he is like, yo, I don't need an explanation, you don't owe me an explanation, <laughs> which is true, she really doesn't. Then she should have been, oh, she should have been way more. Specific they're not that. together. Uh, oh. Okay, okay. To paraphrase fucking the name of it, baby, baby, seriously. 
Yeah, but he's like, look, I don't need to know about what happened there. I just want to keep you safe, period. You know? Now it's like, she should have been way more specific because it's mm-hmm. like she sounded like they actually, you know. They almost did, though. She came very close. Right, but she really... So, and even though they didn't, knowing that Mal was looking for her this whole time, that he was writing to her this whole time, I'm sure at some point, even though it hasn't happened on screen, I'm sure they've had more conversation that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure right, he's told right. her about the night that he came to the Fed looking mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And that he was there and that, you know, he probably told her about him and Kerrigan's conversation and she's got to put it two and two together. Oh, when this was about to happen, Matt was in another room waiting for me, like waiting to Mm -hmm. see me, waiting to make sure that I was safe. She's feeling some guilt right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, I made all these decisions thinking you abandoned me when in reality, you almost died trying to find me. Yeah, go on and feel that guilt, girl. Go on and feel it. Just, just mm, go on ahead and mm. get it. Feel it. Get which, it out the way. Yep. Which is which is what I said. I know we're doing this episode, but <laughs> the next episode, I don't know what's going to happen, but it is on and popping. That's all I'm going to say. Because I mean, I, the, the the entire episode was awesome. And and I loved every bit of it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We just haven't to even gotten to the last we haven't even gotten to the last scene yet because what did we miss? Kerrigan is in the um he's in the town and he's asking questions about a link. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. Oh, tells sorry, sorry. and the guy tells him, you know, about her using some sort That's of fight right. to That's injure, you right. know, to mm-hmm. injure somebody. And when Kerrigan starts to leave, the guy asked Kerrigan, he was like, She's a spy, right? Kerrigan kind of pauses. He's like hmm what makes you say that he said because first army came through here looking for her too some tracker and kirgan is like oh that's no ordinary tracker and that's no ordinary girl they're orphans of karamzin and then david turns and look and he's like yeah they're reunited adorable (laughs) he's so sweet the daggers on the end of that right. adorable but then he realizes he turns around he tells his Grisha Miss Starkoff is in the woods she's looking for the stag so at this oh. point he's starting mm, to put mm, some pieces mm, together mm, like, oh. oh, so she done figured out some stuff and Mal has probably done told her some stuff and oh okay I guess that means that she's going to get the stag so that she can amplify her power, so that she can keep him from getting, uh, you know, additional power. Whatever the case may be, it's not good for him. Mm. This episode was really good. I enjoyed it. Was, it you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that this was probably my favorite episode, if not, you know, of the series, one of the favorites. Again, Netflix has done this thing where they took a property they knew that they had to work on it a little bit to bring it up to where people would like it. They combined it with a couple other things in the same uh, world, genre. And again, I'm blown away by the fact, winter aside, because I'm going to get on that next, the fact that they did such an amazing job. I've never seen a show, science fiction, fantasy, whatever, except for The Expanse. I have not seen anything combine different elements and make it such a whole uh, cohesive story 
that makes sense and it's fun and is enjoyable. Uh, people might use the word sexy. People might use the word uh, fluid. They might use the word awesome. I mean, uh, back in the A-team, you know, when they would say, you know, I'm on that jazz, I'm on that jazz because of this, because I'm like, if we don't get another season, I'm good. I'm going to another season. Like, oh, yeah, I want this, we're this, getting this, another this. season, yay. I mean, yeah, it just, again, I, I, if you thought I like Curse, I love Shallow Boat. That's all I'm saying. You know, and, and it's so weird because, again, I haven't read the books yet. I'm probably going to start once this, once this summer class is over for me because that summer class is taking up all my time. But it's so weird to think that in the books, Alina and the Crows, like they're two separate stories. Well, it's so weird to yeah, that because yeah, it is that, the way that they've woven this story together. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, Alina mm-hmm, being the mm-hmm. focus of the Crow mm-hmm, um, mission. Mm-hmm. To think that those stories don't converge in the books, and I'm not exactly sure how, like, I don't know if they are in the same area and just don't meet, or, you know, I don't know if in the books they are actually looking for her and it just doesn't pan out that way. I don't know, and I don't want to know yet, but just a little bit that I do know, I think it says something about, I read something yesterday and it says that Alina and the crows never actually meet. And I'm like, how in the hell? They don't, they like, don't meet. I, I, I can't even imagine reading the but see how without I them see. interacting or without them even being well in the same space, you know? Well, Hanako, Hanako, all I, I'm not gonna spoil it, but all I was saying is that when you read Six of Crows and you find out what the actual heist is, you're gonna be calling me. And you're going to go, what the H double E double stick? Because it's so, it is completely different. Okay. At the same time, I'm looking, I'm reading the book and I'm watching the series and I'm going, well, how, you, you see me, right? Yeah. That, that's literally how I was because I'm, I'm, I'm halfway through the Six of Crows book and I'm like, okay, you guys are my friends. And you're my podcast partners. And I'm like, I don't know how I can actually tell you what actually is in the books because you guys are going to be yelling at me because you're going to be so pissed, pissed off <laughs> about what actually the story is. Unlike Discovery of Witches, where it's pretty much for Pat, you know, right. but I, I, blown away. Um, yeah, sorry. That's okay. I'll, I'll take it because at this point, I think when I start reading the books, because of the fact that I know that the two storylines don't converge i'll be able to read it and separate it from the books now I but you're gonna be pissed i i might no you you are going to be pissed so oh no i know you i know you and you are going to be pissed but that's all i'm saying okay but you know again I, i do again have to give it to netflix because netflix did something that i i don't think i've ever seen they actually successfully made a TV genre show that's actually better than the actual books, and the books are actually excellent. Yeah, that's 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 the general consensus I've heard. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But oh, two episodes left. <laughs> um, any final thoughts on this episode? Um, real quick. Um... Shout out to Kerrigan for pulling up in a medieval Maybach and getting that shit jacked. 
And ah! <laughs> I mean, that's literally, I was like, why is it? What, what kind of, I, I couldn't figure out like, it's not really a Cadillac. It's not really a Mercedes. It's kind of, it's basically a big ass Maybach, but he basically left it running. I'm like, really boss? And again, Kaz and his crew were the one that took it. So if Kaz wasn't on his radar before for just disappearing from in front of him, I'm definitely going to be on the radar now. Um, also, uh, when Alina used the magnifying glass in the center, some powers to burn the lock. I, I flash back to happier times of me with my grandmother's magnifying glass no, frying in. No, no, no. I see. I you, you heard me. Good you times. heard me speak over you saying that because I knew where that sentence was going. Yeah, good times. Yeah, yeah that was back in the eighties. Now people will call you a barbarian for doing that. So we, right. we're um, over. Ants never did anything. See. Except, except just walk oh, there and we walk perfectly under my little sun laser. You know what? No. Mm, 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 when, when the, when, um, no. when the, okay. Mm-mm. When Lena said, thank you for finding me. And Mal said, always total castle reference for me. And I was like, oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Cause you get, you got that from that. Well, that's what he always I said. Harry Potter. Well, I, I, yeah, I know. And, yeah. And I can see that, but yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a castle file than the Potter head. So. Yes. But you know what? Always like, if you walk up to a Potter head and say. After all this time. Say, yes. Sir. If well, you say, you, know, if you walk up to a Potter head and say always, they might break down and cry. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Which would be my husband two weeks ago when he redid. I'm, I'm more of a castle, but I live with a Potter head. So yeah. <laughs> okay uh, yeah that was mine um shout out for nina nina and and them going back and forth between english and fjord and oh like just like, like, <laughs> yeah, like, was- like on like like i was like just i mean if they were it's, it's weird how they were like going just like switching switching languages then one speaking fjord and one speaking english and no one speaks english they know mm-hmm. one speaks fjord and yeah so was it's like yeah up, see, up. Y'all, y'all are already a couple it's, it's basically a couple anyway because most right. co- most couples are when they argue it's like they're speak they're talking in two separate languages anyway so it's <laughs> basically so there's that oh, um um shout out to Inez for showing mercy and then taking it right back along with her blade i oh, mean God. yeah like I said, bad guys need to learn when to keep their fucking mouth shut. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Nina would have just shut her mouth. It's just like a Falcon Winter Soldier when Sam said, "It's always that one word, that line at the end." Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she she kept her mouth shut. Yeah. Yep. She kept her mouth shut. She'd have been alive. But then, you know, I had the question too. Okay, so she got stabbed in the heart, and Inez was basically like, "Hey, you need to find a healer." Or else you'll bleed out in 30 seconds. So here's my question. A healer can, they can heal a stab wound to the heart, but they can't yes. heal a slash throat? Yes. How yes. can you heal a broken heart? In the books. In the books. That's just wrong. That is literally wrong. Uh, uh, Hanako, in the books, Nina goes breaks it down because something happens to a certain character, which I'm not going to say. In the books, it is said that the problems with the heart tenders in healing is that they're taken out of school at certain year levels where they don't get certain training. So there's someone gets injured really, really bad, 
in uh, Six of Crows. And because Dina was taken out of school, quote unquote, in the ninth grade, she only knows how to heal half of it. So she struggles with the other half because she literally doesn't have the training. Versus, okay. uh, I'm just using the, 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 the one from the palace that does all the fancy shit. She actually went through, yeah. quote unquote, the master's degree. She knows how to do it, but she doesn't know how to do something simple like uh, call in her shoes. So yeah, basically Neo says is that it's not skill, it's training. They all have the same talent, but they don't have the same training. Okay. That sounds good, but um I think again, Michael, I think you have um ended the podcast on a great note. (laughs) How can you stop my heart from bleeding? And on that note, we are going to end the show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. Bye.